It's the biggest sale in the history of the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. We've moved every car, truck, and SUV to the Lloyd Mall. That's every new and pre-owned vehicle under the tent and onto the parking lot at the Lloyd Mall. Test drive while your wife shops. Test drive while your husband shops. Test drive while you shop for your new Nissan. Save on your new ride today. The big tent event from the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. On now at the Lloyd Mall. The new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. We won't sell you a car. We'll help you buy one. At Jason Arden Associates Cooperators, we're proud to be a top-rated local insurance company that offers flexible solutions and expert advice for all your insurance and investment needs. We'll work with you to tailor your insurance specific to your needs, and we offer investment advice that always puts you first. At Cooperators, one of our core values is to support the communities we live in. When you support Jason Arden & Associates Cooperators, you are supporting local nonprofits and initiatives. Since 2020, we have donated 60000 to local nonprofits, youth sponsorships, and various special projects. When was the last time your insurance company did that? This is Lloyd Minster's show. This is local that matters to you. Local people. Local events. Local news and sports. For Lloydminster and area, this is Live with Kurt Price from the new Lloydminster Nissan. Welcome inside the new Lloydminster Nissan. Our guest today is Garth Rosewell. He's seeking re-election as the UCP candidate for the Vermilion Lloydminster Wainwright constituency in next week's, less than a week away, actually, uh, Alberta election, which the uh, the pre-polls opened uh, uh, this morning, actually. So you can vote uh, right up until Saturday in uh, pre-election uh, polls as well. Well, it was a different kind of a long weekend with all the smoke, and there ended up being some nice weather, but it was hard to... There was a cold wind blowing on Sunday. It was just a really different uh, long weekend. It's usually either really cold or really hot, and uh, it ended up being just kind of, uh, I don't know. It was there, and it came and went. And uh, if you're like me and you got to see family, it was fantastic. And then driving home, there was a lot of optimism because it started to rain. And I actually, at one point, while I was driving between here and North Battleford, I thought, I'm going to have to pull over, and uh, I, I can't really see. And then finally, it started to to let up a little bit but uh, when you get to Lashburn then the rain just kind of stopped and there was uh, nothing there and I called uh, back to the lake my mom and dad are still there and uh, they said they got a really good rain uh, where they are at Jackfish and then I saw some farmers north of Lloyd last night that were saying oh man I was dancing in my driveway because it rained so much and then like You'd have a farmer that's like 20 minutes from him saying, what rain? We didn't, we didn't get anything. And, of course, we didn't really get anything here in Lloyd as well. It was a bit of a disappointment. Now, there's a chance of rain tonight. But, uh, goodness, if we don't get rain tonight, it doesn't look like there's any in the forecast for the next week or so. So it would definitely be nice if the forecast was a little bit wrong. And I'm, when I say, you know, when I say the forecast, I look at, uh, I guess they're called climate change Canada now, but Environment Canada is what I will always call them. And I don't bother looking at the Weather Network. I haven't looked at the Weather Network since they said cow farts were destroying the environment. And, uh, you know, I, I just can't trust anybody that says that kind of bullshit. So I won't look at the Weather Network. And I haven't since that day. I, I remember I had an app on my phone. I just deleted it that very day. Like, I cannot take you seriously anymore. And I'm not going to support you anymore either if you're going to say that uh, uh, cow poop or farts or whatever it is is uh 
causing climate change. I'm just not into that, and I don't believe it at all. Well, you can see us at the Lloyd Mall for one final week. Our huge tent event is happening at the Lloyd Mall for one more week with a great lineup of uh, new vehicles, of course, your new Nissan lineup. But we also have a great selection of pre-owned vehicles as well. And, yes, we are there for one more week. So that means that Bucky's got one week left to get the parking lot cleaned up completely. He's even gone out and hired himself an assistant from what I understand. So um, speaking of uh, the weekend, it was great to see some rain fall um, in Edson and parts of northern uh, Alberta. Not nearly enough. Of course, we didn't think that there was going to fall and put out the fires, but it's great that, uh, you know, it's making somewhat of a difference for sure. And we've learned through this that disaster can happen at any minute. Well, if it does to you and your family, you can call BioClean Disaster Services. Now, in some disasters, you don't have to leave your home. I know that, uh, you know, when they go in and they're cleaning up your home, it'd certainly be easier if you were to leave that home. But in some situations, you can't. BioClean Disaster Services understands that and will work around your family with the care and understanding for not only your possessions in your home, but also your prized possession, which is your family. So, unfortunately, disasters happen. If they do, you can call BioClean Disaster Services at one 246 83 26. They're a local company, and you see their name on the swimming pool and things like that. And uh, you know the team at BioClean Disaster Services will come in and take care of you and your family. one 246 8326 Take care of you and your family. Whether it's fire, flood, mold, or smoke damage. Well, we're starting to see a return to uh, many events uh, throughout the Midwest. We're going to take a look at a few of them. But first, I want to say congratulations again to Heather Murray, who was the winner of the Feed the Farmer on Thursday. We were out last Thursday near, I would say, between Marwain and Elkerve and uh, had a fantastic roast beef dinner. You can still nominate a farmer today. Uh, we did make a draw this morning, and it was Allison Weaver, who we have not contacted yet. We have phoned Allison. Her message box was full, so we could leave her a message. So we've texted her and let her know hey you're the winner so give us a call we're going to be delivering a fantastic uh, roast beef meal courtesy of Agland, Sobeys Lloyd Minster uh, BASF, Diamond 7 Meats the Tent Guys in Vigor and Richardson Pioneer this week to you Allison Weaver plus two lucky farms will win a quarter of beef so keep those nominations coming I know some of our farmers are getting finished up but there's still a whole lot left uh, to do out there as well and uh, even if you're done we would love to come out and bring you a roast beef meal and just say congratulations and wish you the best of luck uh, for the season. Uh, Jackie Tomeyer joined us last week to make some major announcements about the fair this year, which will be held July 12th to 15th at the same time as the North American Chuck Wagon Championships. And she announced uh, separate entrances, of course. Uh, but she also announced a huge concert. Instead of doing like four concerts, they're doing one big one. And a lot of people excited that Tom Cochran will be performing. And she also told us the Midway is moving. Is we are moving the location of the Midway. What? Yeah. So the Midway is going to encircle our building. It's going to be out in front on the pavement. Really? So it's not, it's not going to be down in the parking lot anymore. We're going to move it up front and it's going to be on the front of the pavement. Um, so, and it's going to circle. So Kitty Land's still going to be between the grandstand and the grass area, but the majority of the midway will be in the front now on the pavement. So, you know, if it rains, it'll, it'll dry out really quick. Um, and we're hoping that people will enjoy 
enjoy it out there um, and, and, you know, be able to come in and out of the buildings a little easier if they need some relief from the sun, if we get, you know, fingers crossed, we get some nice hot weather. And uh, yeah, so, we, so that's another huge change to the fair. Now, sticking with the Lloyd X, their Chase the Ace is back starting tomorrow. That means that starting tomorrow, you can purchase tickets once again. They are one for $10, three for $25, 10 for $50, or 20 for 100 And the first draw for the Ace will happen on May the 31st. And they've seated it this year at $25,000. So you can e-transfer. You can go to LloydX.com for more information. And that's probably the best thing to do. You can also pick up tickets right in person, but uh, take Tickets are available starting tomorrow, and again, $25,000 is a pretty good uh, spot to start that uh, seating. 20% of the weekly sales is won every week, 30% goes to the growing jackpot, and 50% helps the Lloydminster exhibition. The Lloydminster runners have their Titanium Half Marathon coming up June 10th. Chris Bogue joined us at the Canadian Brewhouse, uh, gave us the course details. Yeah, the half marathon is 21 kilometers. So it's uh, 21 kilometers, which we do loops at, a, at Bud Miller, where we host our race every year. Uh, this is our fourth year uh, going into this, which is, uh, which is great. Uh, even through COVID, we, uh, we had to have a virtual one like, like everybody did. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's good to get back at it, get back out and uh, running live again. Uh, 21 kilometers is four loops around Bud Miller for the, uh, for the most part. We also offer five kilometers and 10 kilometer events. And this year, multiple kids' distances as well. 500 meters, a kilometer, a kilometer and a half. It's, uh, it's great to, to see how many kids actually get out and participate with this. It's, it's amazing. Go to LloydMrRunners.com to get more information. Integra Engineering is holding their annual pancake breakfast from 7 to 10.30 tomorrow morning. Pancakes are just $5 a plate, but with a $20 donation, you're entered to win some great prizes, including a cooler, a Father's Day package, and a sweets and treats package as well. LloydMrKinette's holding their Lloyd Loves local gift card giveaway. Enter for just $20, and 10 lucky winners are chosen on June 1st. It works as a 50-50 with a win-win situation for local businesses, because they get some money and you get to spend that money in local businesses. And if it sells out, that would mean 10 $500 gift cards would be given away to local businesses. To get tickets, you can message the Canets on Facebook or you can call or text Wendy at 306-821-7979. Well, with the Alberta election just uh, less than a week away here, there's an all-candidates forum for Vermilion Lloyd Mr. Wainwright tomorrow night at the Lloyd X presented by the Lloyd Mr. Chamber of Commerce. It runs from 6.30 to 8.30, and that's in the Bexon Construction Prairie Room. It'll also be live streamed. If you can't make it out there in person, you can go to the Lloyd's Chamber of Commerce website, or you can go to their YouTube channel as well. And they are taking questions, so if you have a question, you can email them at forum at lloydminsterchamber.com. Well, it's not just a name. It is Superior Water. Superior Water has two locations in Lloydminster, and they are open on Sundays to make filling your big blue jugs a lot quicker. And if you want great-tasting water right from your tap, call Superior Water and ask about their under-the-sink reverse osmosis system. 780-875-6636. I drink Superior Water because I like the taste, and I believe it is superior to anyone else's water. They're open on 57th Avenue, Monday to Friday, 8 to 6, Saturdays, and as I said, Sundays, 10 to 5. Plus, of course, they have the coin-operated location right beside 7-Eleven, just off Highway 17. Garth Rosewell is here. We're going to talk to uh, Mr. Rosewell as he seeks re-election in this constituency when we come back here to the new Lloydminster Nissan. 
It's more than just taxes at LNACPA. Assurance, accounting, retirement planning, estate planning, business consulting, financial consulting, farm program support, and bookkeeping. But yes, there is always taxes. The team at LNACPA is committed to helping you achieve your best results and will be there to assist you every step of the way. LNACPA, with offices in Provost, Vermilion, and Lloydminster. How can you help support the oil and gas industry and jobs in Western Canada? The answer is closer than you think. Sell your scrap metals to PWM Steel. PWM sells scrap iron to Evraz, located in Regina. Evraz's number one customer is the energy sector, building pipes and plates for the oil and gas industry. PWM Steel is your locally owned metal recycler and steel service center in the area. Plus, they're a strong supporter of the community. PWM Steel, your top steel supplier for Alberta and Saskatchewan for 40 years. It's the biggest sale in the history of the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. We've moved every car, truck, and SUV to the Lloyd Mall. That's every new and pre-owned vehicle under the tent and onto the parking lot at the Lloyd Mall. Test drive while your wife shops. Test drive while your husband shops. Test drive while you shop for your new Nissan. Save on your new ride today. The big tent event from the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. On now at the Lloyd Mall. The new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. We won't sell you a car, we'll help you buy one. At Diamond 7 Meats, we work with local farm families to provide a high quality product and a great selection for you. Try our mouth-watering smokies, pulled pork, roast beef, and more. Made pure and natural with no additives or fillers. We offer custom processing, and our experienced team works for you to provide a selection of sausage, burgers, and jerkies made to your specifications. Take your grilling to the next level with a Yoder Smoker. Complete the grilling experience with a Canadian-made, award-winning line of House of Q barbecue sauces. We're locally owned and operated, and we look forward to seeing you today. Welcome back inside the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. Garth Rosewell is joining us, and Garth has always been very considerate with his time on this program, and we really appreciate that. Uh, Mr. Rosewell is seeking re-election for uh, the Vermilion uh, Lloyd Mr. Wainwright constituency, and the polls are now open, or the advance polls are open. I called them pre-polls earlier, advance polls. And uh, the election, of course, is on uh, Monday, so a huge day in uh, Alberta. And uh, Mr. Rosewell, Roswell has uh, been four years? Four years, yep. And I remember <clears throat> I, I saw you in an event, and or maybe it was on this program, mm -hmm. actually, and I had asked you, um, uh, Garth, what made you want to seek re-election again? Mm -hmm. Because I had the feeling for a while that you were thinking it just isn't worth it, especially going through the pandemic and everything. Mm -hmm. And then you had said your health care tour. Yep. Your health care tour completely changed uh, your your. I, would I be wrong in saying that? Yeah, Completely no. Changed your, your yeah, thing? that's what happened. I, in the last summer and fall, I was on health tour with health minister. We traveled to 24 different locations. We talked to people that worked in the system. We toured a local hospital if we could, and then we talked to the local uh, government leaders and foundations, councils, stuff like that in the afternoon. And uh, <clears throat> I told the minister at the time, you know, I really want to focus in on health care. And would it be better to do that as an MLA, or would it be better to be outside and then focus totally on it. And he said, uh, no, he says, as an MLA, that's the way we need you to do that. And he says, as long as I'm here, you'll have lots of involvement in healthcare. So I, I got a really good relationship with the health minister. 
and um, you know it, it it wasn't what I ran on the first time because I just I didn't know much about healthcare mm -hmm. but it impacts everybody and there's lots of problems to try to solve and I think he has built a framework um, that if we can just jump in there and keep driving it and we're already having results you know I almost wish the election was a year later and we could see uh, you know we even have more results from what he's been doing and um, and so that was uh, but we are where we are we're having good uh, good results relative to EMS and some of the changes that we made based on the tour that we did so that's how quickly he acted on it and it's one of the main reasons I'm running again so yeah. tell us about what what you what what is the plan moving forward well there's lots of different things I guess the two I'd focus on on the tour what we heard was staff shortages and EMS especially from a rural perspective yeah. right yeah. and so uh, some of the things that we've changed on the EMS side because the problem is we well it's not a problem we have central dispatch so the closest uh, uh, ambulance to an, a situation gets called and directed there uh, and then we do transfers from say Wainwright or, or uh, Lloydminster they'd go into Edmonton well all of a sudden they're close to a um, the, the the event that happened there so um, they so they'd wind up and they'd get yep. there and they'd stay there for two or three days and and you didn't have a, a thing here and then we work on a core flex program relative to the time and that screwed all that up uh, and, you know for the rural people they'd time out uh, just sitting in an emergency room somewhere so some of the main things that happened and I saw this on the tour pretty soon we uh, uh, we uh, did what was called stacking in uh, in the big cities so what that meant was if a person phoned in 911 and wanted an ambulance they'd ask them well what what is your issue and if it sounded like it's something that could wait they'd reserve that for the Edmonton ambulances and so that would free up the rural ones to get back to where they came from and uh, and and when I was in Rimby on the tour the EMS person there said boy that's made quite a difference for us so that was interesting yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the other one is uh, uh, EMS people waiting in the emergency room. They could spend their entire shift because they have to be able to turn that person over to a qualified individual. And so that sometimes they'd be in there for, um, you know, uh, their whole shift. And you'd see the red alerts where there's all these ambulances lined up, you know, w waiting to drop off people. So what the, what the minister did was he hired 114 people. Uh, that were qualified to take people off their hands. So the average wait time in a, an emergency around Alberta was three and a half hours. It's already gone down to two and a half. And, and our goal is to get it down to 45 minutes. So they can get in there, turn over, and get back to doing what they do. Uh, you know, so that, that made quite a difference too. Uh, another one is, um, and it was a local initiative by uh, Vermilion, uh, the focus group there, bought what's called a NAT van or a non-ambulance transfer van. And the guy that worked there, he uh, he was uh, 22 years as a EMS guy, and he said, you know, 30% of our transfers with an ambulance don't need an ambulance, and so these NAT vans cost about half the amount, and um, and he's uh, uh, and, and you know and, and then again you free up your ambulances to to go to real things, right? Mm -hmm. That they're those people are qualified for. So what he asked, and they bought it, and they charged their clients, and then they have fundraisers to adopt a ride. So it's all community stuff you can get behind. And, uh, and he said, um, uh, but it'd be nice if we could get a retainer, just kind of a monthly stipend of some sort, uh, to make sure that we had some revenue coming in. 
and he had a very effective business plan. I took it to the uh, CEO of, uh, of Albert Health Services, talked to the minister about it, and uh, I think in the new year, if there's a pilot project, he might become part of that. So that's all part of, you know, local people that know what they're doing, asking me to help them with an idea. Mm -hmm. and, and if it works, if it makes sense, then, and we can get that done, <clears throat> then anyone, everyone benefits. So the goal is to free up the, uh, the ambulance uh, people to do what they do best and try to keep them in town as much as possible. Yeah. When it comes to um, the uh, shortage of doctors and nurses, yes. um, the NDP seem to think that we'll just hire more uh, doctors and nurses. The question becomes, where do we get these doctors and yeah. nurses uh, from? What, what, is, what is the solution other than just hiring doctors and nurses? Yeah, it's, it's not just that. Like there, and, and here I'd say we have more of a nurse shortage than a doctor shortage in my constituency. You know, specific areas maybe, right. but... Every but area is different. Every area is different, but, but, you know, there's a real shortage of nurses. So, uh, and so there was, there was three. We, we got a, a long, short, uh, short, medium, and long-term thought. And on the long-term, we look to kind of grow your own train your own because a lot of rural kids will have really really good marks but somehow they don't get into medical school right and and it because there's an interview process there's a, uh, a volunteer thing that you have to show that you've done and if they're not in tune with that uh, they don't get selected so what we've done we've expanded the um, the number of um, seats for medical school and we're going to create a rural stream so where the rural kids have a preferential thing like they got good marks and they said okay we've got you know we need 10 from say rural mm -hmm. uh, here's our best marks out there and, and we we bring them through so so that's uh, that's that's a goal homegrown homegrown home and grown. they're more than likely not everyone but they'll be more likely to come and stay uh, than than if you uh, if you bring someone that's you just hire and bring there and they got to stay for so long and then they maybe take off the the medium term is immigration and recognizing credentials. So we're doing that. We've uh, identified five countries where we think, look, their training standards are up to ours. So we're going to uh, process them quicker. Uh, with nurses... Um, uh, We've heard what, that on a federal level as well. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's talked about this forever, yes. but it, it just never gets done, right? Yeah. So we're doing it. And yeah. the one of the things that uh, uh, nurses, you got healthcare aides, you got LPNs, and you got RNs. So if you if are from the Philippines, say, for example, and you say, I want to be an RN, and you make an application, and then they, uh, uh, and then they review your qualifications. Well, no, you're not quite good enough to be an, an RN. Right. Well, then you had to go back and apply to be an LPN, and it did work, a healthcare aid. So what we did is we shrunk it down to uh, one application, and they assessed your uh, capabilities, and they, they fit you into those. And then we had bridging programs to help them get to the next level whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's also um, the, the mental health aspect of what the yes. pandemic has left behind, Garth. It's, yep. it's, it's left behind, a, a, just a, it's, it's been a mess in my yep. opinion. Mm -hmm. um, how do you deal with, how do we deal with what the pandemic has left us? Yeah, well, we've, we've increased that budget from 87 million to 275 million, recognizing that. And, uh, and we've, we're creating mental health locations uh, you know, we've got our Thorpe Recovery Center here. It got good funding 
the good work that uh, the residents of recovery is doing. Uh, you know, we, we gave them some money. Saskatchewan was more generous and more consistent, uh, but I, they have a role to play here, and mm -hmm. we can continue to advocate for them. But I, I think we need we need you know we need we need help. It's recognized, and also for kids in school. Uh, like so there's been more money allocated for those types of things so I I think that's all good and uh, and uh, just recognize you know the pandemic is what it was and it created some issues and we got to work our way through it yeah. in every election there seems to be something that comes out of the blue mm -hmm. that's a, that, that pops up and maybe it wasn't uh, a main like they call it a mainstream media you know topic mm -hmm. but in this election I would say it's crime I yeah. would say like crime has almost run ahead of healthcare, mm -hmm. and it it seems like because it's an urban thing now, it's a problem. But it's been a rural thing yes. cr problem for a long, long time here. Yeah. Uh, what what do we have to do to deal with urban and rural crime? Yeah. Well, part of it, and you know, the complaint I got when I first started was people were blaming the police, and they said, well, they won't come out or whatever, whatever the excuse was. It wasn't long after that though that it switched to our justice system. And the catch and release concept, the, the fe that's a federal thing relative to the bail. Uh, we've done some stuff that uh, where we monitor people, we put ankle bracelets on them if you're accused of a sexual or a violent uh, uh, thing that you're on bail from. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we're just going to watch that, watch that closer. The thing that we have control over, and, and we haven't been as successful as I would have liked to have been, is Crown Prosecutors. You know, because some criminals were timing out and getting off because we couldn't process them quick enough. Well, that's that's on us. And so we 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 started out. We were about 25 uh, crown prosecutors uh, behind, and uh, and we were hiring them, and then we wanted to expand that by another 50. So we haven't achieved that. We haven't hired as many as we wanted to. But that's on us to process people. And if you're guilty, you pay the price, and and away you go. So the, the bail reform, which we need at the federal level, we're doing stuff that we can track people that are put on bail. Uh, that's one of the things we control. And then the Crown Prosecutors and doing a better job there, I think. Did it surprise you, the crime, that it, that it became such a huge topic? Well, it, it's, it's been there. Like, it's been there. It's interesting because uh, when, I, when I first uh, asked when it started to pick up, when I was talking to some of the municipal leaders, and, and they said, you know, it kind of in 2000. 14 when the oil sector kind of fell off it kind of escalated and then it just stayed there you know because mm -hmm. the the bad the, like the criminals that are career criminals they don't need bad econo uh, economy to prompt them to do that but you know there was a crack exposed and they filled it in but that's when a lot of uh, municipal leaders told me things in that 2014 15 13 area uh, is when it started to pick up, and uh, you know it's a real problem. And like, I hear about like a lot. People right? were just desperate. Uh, desperate, and then you know a lot of it's driven by drugs. Right. And uh, and I know when I talk to the That's RCMP, they uh, and and well even uh, uh, Tyler Rylands he'll tell you you know like people that want drugs aren't they don't care about the consequences. They want to steal that truck. You know it's a thirty thousand dollar truck. They'll get three grand for it or whatever. Yep. But that's enough to cover them for. What, however long that'll last in the drug game. And uh, I know I went to an energy company safety meeting and both me and the RCMP were there. And I asked the RCMP in the, in the meeting, you know, what percent of the crime if, if drugs weren't the issue? And he said, well, most of it. So, so I think drugs is fostering this. That's why a recovery plan, 
relative to addiction is important. That's where Thorpe comes in. Yep. That's where what Tyler's doing at Residence Recovery. Those are the t kind of things that can save us money in the legal system, you know, and Tyler and I have talked about that a few times. And, uh, and I, I agree with that, but you have to get it done, right? So our, our goal is uh, we're more focused on recovery than harm reduction. Uh, harm reduction is still out there, but let's get people off the drugs and have them contribute to society at large, and that's where we're trying to focus. Well, one thing I've heard Tyler disagree with you, the, the yep. UCP on yep. is that we should force people into recovery. And, yep. and I don't know if force is the right word, yep. but when you've exhausted all... Uh, kinds of um, uh, all avenues yep. that it's you're going to recovery and that's all there is to it yep. seem it you guys you guys have put that into your platform that's in our platform yep. that's the, in the yep. platform yep. Um, what are you what are you hearing from like when you talk to Tyler because when I talk to him he says that that's not that's never gonna work yeah well I, I haven't talked to him about this one specifically but it's uh, and it's more designed towards if they're doing harm to their self or others like it's a last resort type thing uh, that that we we want to do there. Like if they're gonna kill themselves or or create damage or or hurt someone else, like it's it's uh, it's so, not the first thing that you do. So this isn't taking people who you see and you just say, well, like this guy's got to go, grab yep. him, put him in the car. Yeah, I think that's what it comes across as a little yes. bit. Yes, well, it could that could very like, well grab be, this guy, yeah. put him in the car. We're taking him to yeah yeah. No, it, it's a last resort. And, it, and it needs that, a further explanation. It, it, I think. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, but it, that's that's what it's designed to do. Like you don't want to just because that you're kind of abusing civil liberties there, you right. know. So, but I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's a desperate situation, and I think uh, you know some families don't mind that if it's their family member that's in that situation where they're just at wit's end of what to do, and uh, and if this person's going to hurt themselves or others. Uh, you, you you make that decision. It can't be an easy one, but but it's in the platform. Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, the other thing that Danielle has said, and you brought up energy, mm -hmm. is um, still continuing to fight that carbon tax. Yep. How do you continue to fight what has already gone through the courts? Yeah. Well, legally we lost the battle. Yeah. So the federal government legally has the right to do it. Uh, what the the one that I don't think has been fought effectively is the political battle. So federally, we have a, a party that wants to get rid of the carbon tax. Yep. So if we can get that party elected and they take it to zero, then that'll impact on, well, that'll impact us. We won't have a carbon tax then. And then uh, our tier program is based on the price of that, of that price. So whether, but that's an industrial one. Like the, the carbon tax is a retail one, which I think is just crazy because it just makes everything cost more for everybody. The, the tier one, and that's one that we passed, then that's the Technology Innovation Emissions Reduction Program. And if you get over a certain number of metric ton, um, megatons, I guess, of production, you pay a, a fee. And what we do with that money is we take it and recycle it back to the energy industry to reduce intensity of the carbon emission. That's the goal behind it. So whether that would continue in the end, because Pierre Polyev might agree with that, but where that's focused is the is the re, what I call the retail carbon tax that we pay on our home heating, on our electricity, on our gas, and just everything that we buy is affected by that. So it's a political battle that we need we need to get the conservatives elected federally, make have them keep their promise and get rid of that retail carbon tax, and we can follow that up here and then and then go from there. So I think, yeah, legally the federal government has the right to do it. Politically, we can make a change.
It's interesting. Jason Kenney, when he was premier, mm-hmm. made came for the uh, heavy oil show. Yep. And he made a statement that energy providers, energy uh, companies, would have to decide what they wanted to do with the carbon tax. Because there are some businesses now who have realized how they make money off of this carbon tax. Yeah. So, like, are, are, would you face pushback in, at, at this from some of the companies who have figured out a way to around, sort of not to go around the carbon mm-hmm. tax, but to say, you know what, we can, we can work with this? Well, they, and they can. Like, they can, uh, like carbon fiber. I don't think you need a carbon tax to justify that. Like, there are things that we can do, especially with our heavy oil, that has a higher carbon number, uh, is, uh, you know, carbon fiber, um, you know, all the things that we want to do with carbon, uh, there's things we can do. And if they can find a way to make money, then I'm all for that. Uh, But I I don't want the carbon tax to be the reason you do it, because then you build in an inefficient foundation that the only reasons this is happening because of carbon tax. Once that gets ingrained, how do you reverse that if the carbon tax goes away? So the sooner we get rid of that, the better. And I'm all for people, if they got neat ways of using different parts of oil or gas, uh, good, you know, if they can bring value, let her go, right? I, I just found that amazing. Yeah. Because I, I never really thought of it that way. Yep. You know, I just thought of it as, you know, why am I paying a carbon tax to heat my home when it's 40 below? Because yeah. if I don't, I'm going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's it's it, it it's, just it's, doesn't it's make essential. sense. Yeah. It's essential. It's essential. That's Unless right. you can provide me with something yeah. that is cleaner, which is yeah. where I wanted to go next. Yeah. Well, um, our goal actually should be to have the lowest cost energy we can, and a carbon tax doesn't lend itself to that. No. Yeah. O- okay, but yeah. like we're getting green initiatives pushed on us mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. and so. In Saskatchewan, they have what they call the white paper. And in Alberta, Daniel Smith has faced a lot of criticism for her white paper, mm-hmm. I would say, for her uh, Alberta first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in, in fact, in this area, we see um, Onion Lake pushing back against that. Mm-hmm. Um, what, is, what is the ultimate goal of, like, will that actually make a difference in energy policy? Which is that now? What? Well, the the Alberta first. Will it make a difference? Oh, the uh, the Sovereignty Act. Yeah, uh, oh. yeah. And and yeah. why is Onion Lake pushing back so hard? I'm not sure. Uh, but the uh, uh, for us the two examples, I guess, is one is the uh, to have uh, electricity generation not use fossil fuel by 2035. Right. Well, we just. For Alberta, that's just a non-starter. Well, it's you terrifying. Know? Yeah. So we, we just, we just, you know, we, we, that's our jurisdiction. They shouldn't be able to dictate it. And we would go to court over that one, I'm sure. Right? Uh, and then um, uh, the other one is electric cars. Like, th- there's this goal out there by 2035, yep. and it's a federal one, that y- you will not be able to buy an internal combustion engine by 2035. It has to be electric. Well, that's nuts. Like the the part that they haven't figured out. Like there was one stat uh, when I was talking to the Alberta Utilities Commission and EPCOR uh, is that if you get a 15% penetration of electric vehicles into the Empton fleet, EPCOR is going to have to spend $2 billion to upgrade the grid in order to accommodate it. So the grid can't handle it. And I, and I, I don't see that discussion happening. So I brought that up in the legislature. Uh, when we have our, our fuel tax uh, on gas, 
we that money goes towards fixing and maintaining roads. Electric vehicles don't do that. So if, if you're going to destroy the fossil fuel industry, if that's your goal for whatever reason, where's all where's all this money going to come from for all the things that we do? Because the the uh, renewable side of it, they don't pay royalties, they don't pay uh, a road tax. Like there's lots of stuff they don't pay. They pay property tax, but it doesn't even come close to what we get out of oil and gas. So. So yeah, I, I disagree with that, and I um, and I personally I, I fight against it. Um, sometimes that's a lonely fight because it's um, politically it's a difficult thing to go after. But I've, that's still one of the main reasons I'm running. I, I wouldn't yeah. say you'd face a lot of feedback in your not here. Constituency. No, I think people agree. Well, though there are people that disagree with me on it. And, oh yeah, uh, you know. But I mean, it's uh, but I'm 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 okay with having that debate. Well, you got to talk yeah. teachers sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we talk about um, the difference between the NDP and uh, um, the UCP, which is the two major, that's the battleground. Yeah, right. let, yep. Let's face it, that's yep. the battleground. Yep. Is uh, Rachel's able to say, hey, we got a pipeline built in Alberta. Yeah. You know, um, is, is it, are we done talking about pipelines? Is it, yeah. is that just something that we don't talk about pipelines anymore? Well, I, I tell you, well, I think we still want to build pipelines, and uh, and that one, like, in um, the federal government uses that as an look what we did, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that it's not done yet, by the no, way. No, I know, but yeah. it's the perfect example of bad public policy, because we had a private firm that was going to finance it, build it, and operate it for about seven billion dollars, and they made it so impossible to do that the government had to take it over. Right, because or say we're going to get sued by the company because yep. he said we've already spent this money, and now we're at thirty billion and it's still not done. So, what makes that's nothing to brag about, right? Like and 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 like we've got the reputation now of a place that you can't get anything done. Like uh, Trans Canada spent a billion dollars on Energy East, and then it got it, they made the regulation so impossible they just said, well, we'll write that off, write off a billion dollars. You know, the uh, Keystone XL, they had about a billion dollars in that. And it, it just got political. And again, there we are. We're just, there's, there's, we're, we're, we just, we've got the reputation that there's nothing. Like you go to Canada, you can't get anything built, go somewhere else in the world. So we got to get away from that because we still need the pipelines. Like, you know, the, uh, the Trans Mountain, fine, whatever it's going to cost, like, you know, it, it is what it is. So we'll, we'll get that part going. There's nothing wrong with uh, energy. East still makes sense, you know, if we didn't make it so impossible to build, and that's a federal provincial thing that we have to work on. It's but, an uphill yeah. battle. But we but we need pipelines. So part of what we're doing is looking at and Shane gets in the MLA out in Parkland. He he's been working a lot on corridors. So one is Alberta to Alaska, and the other one would be from Alberta to the to, to Churchill. And <clears throat> what it is, however wide it would be, it be it would be a a, a corridor where all the indigenous negotiations will be on, all the approvals, all everything's made, everything's agreed. And then if someone wants to come build a pipeline, they don't have to go through that. They know, okay, we can build there? Yes, you can. It's all been pre-done. So that's the logic of the corridor side. And we're looking at one, and Shane gets, and if you can ever get him on your on your call, he, he can just, uh, you know, he's so articulate about it, he'd be a great guy to have on your show. But it's the Alberta to Alaska one, and uh, Alberta to the Churchill. And then pre-approved, you can put power lines down there, railroads, 
pipelines, whatever, and, and you're pre-approved away you go. Definitely like to talk to them on patchwork. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Um, Rachel Notley wants to raise corporate taxes, but we'd still have in Alberta low corporate taxes. Yep. Like she's not talking about we'd have the highest corporate taxes in the country. Yep. Why does that discourage? Like why, why does the UCP say, well, that's going to discourage any new business mm-hmm. from coming in to Alberta? But if it's still lower than the rest of the country, how does it discourage? Well, it's uh, because it's just not the country. It's the rest of the world right especially with our industries like we're an exporting province we export most of our energy we export most of our agricultural products uh fertilizer (laughs) is an example uh and again it's kind of going back to the carbon tax but uh, i've talked to the canadian fertilizer institute they're saying look at 170 dollars a ton we don't know if we can make fertilizer here anymore so you could take that fertilizer plant it would go to montana make fertilizer there and ship it back to us right and so from a corporate tax perspective, the analogy that I've used for people is when you go shopping, do you search out the most expensive place to be or and the one that's hardest to deal with relative to red tape? Or do you try to find someone that's, that's uh, uh, competitive, you know, relatively cheap to other jurisdictions in the world and, uh, and easy to, to do business in? And, and that's what we tried to do. So our... And a great example of that is they went from 10% corporate to 12 the last time. And every year they were in, corporate revenue, income tax revenue went down. We lowered ours to 8% over time, and it went up every year. And we got the highest uh, corporate income tax that will be coming in this year. It's expected to be around 6.3 or 6.4 billion. So, you know, if you, if you, it, it's like they think the pie is always this big, and if you we'll just tax more and we'll get more money in. But people don't have to stay here. They don't have to come here. They can go everywhere else in the world. So it's just not Canada. And Scott Moe said it perfectly. He says, we don't compete necessarily with Alberta. We compete with the world uh, to attract capital. And, and, it, and like I was telling you before, uh, we're viewed as a place where you can't get anything done. You know? And so if, if that's so how hard we are to deal with, and then on top of that, we want to tax you more, so well, let's go to Texas. You know, we'll go somewhere else, and that's what we saw last time. Inflation is um, another huge topic, and yeah. rising interest rates, especially uh, in Alberta. Um, like here, we are at a car dealership, and uh, for a long time, we're not selling any cars. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and and we're, well, nobody. You know, this is what the federal government wants. They don't want anybody to buy cars uh, right now. That's yep. why the interest rates are mm-hmm. rising up. Now, I shouldn't say anybody to mm-hmm. buy cars, but you know what I mean. Yep. And so when you talk to people, I assume that inflation is first and foremost the, of their concern. Do you find that in this constituency that inflation uh, is, is the big worry? Yeah, it's there. Uh, I'd say healthcare is still probably really top of mind. Oh, yeah. Inflation, all, you know, although Alberta's got the lowest inflation in the country, and, uh, and part of that is our affordability program that we put out. And, it, you know, it was two broad-based things and a couple that were more focused at, at individuals, you know, or certain uh, income-oriented type people. So, so, you know, we're in Canada, relative to the world, is not bad, actually. Uh, you know, like I think the Americans have higher inflation than we do uh, in Canada on average, and then we're the lowest in Canada right now. So I'm not minimizing it mm-hmm. but it has been an issue and uh and what it lends itself is if you're a worker you want a raise to cover that right 
and uh, and so that that loop on loop starts to build on itself. So you you got to try to nip that in the bud as as soon as you can, and do everything you can to keep it low. And uh, you know, oil prices come down, so that's that's helped on the gas side. You know, but we got so many taxes and regulations into our gas that it's uh, yeah. like the the 13 cents we took off for our our road tax. Uh, the carbon tax now is 14 cents on gas. So, you know, that that didn't reduce it. With another one coming in July. Yeah, with another one coming in July, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's a problem, yeah. So uh, with the 13 cents mm-hmm. that they've taken off, that, that goes to the end of the year. Yes. Um, also, uh, families received, I think it was $600. Yep. Uh, what else is the UCP prepared to do to, to battle inflation? Well, I guess we'll see as it comes up. Like uh, the Matt Jones is—that's his ministry, you know. Uh, utilities and uh, affordability is 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 his thing. So he'll, um, you know, he's working away at it. He, you know, they're looking at education. There's there's you know for advanced education, just yep. different things we can do to support people. And uh, and uh, you know, ideally, I, I wish we didn't have to do this. And you know, we just we we have a, a structure. Of a government that just keeps everything, we're not a we're not an added cost yeah. to the economy. So I, I I wish we didn't have to do all these things, and I, I know I'd like to uh, move away from that. But Matt's a great guy, and uh, if there's something to be done, he'll be looking at it. I want to ask you about um, uh, Daniel Smith, and we'll get into some local stuff as sure. well. Yeah. But I also want to remind everybody about Jetstream Personnel Consulting. Jetstream Personnel Consulting is local. They're locally owned. They work with local companies. They help local people find employment. With over 15 years' experience, Jetstream can and has, has filled positions in all different industries, from oil field to trucking, administration, healthcare, and agriculture. And they'll design your job posting for you. They'll do job screening for you. They even construct the offer letter when they help you find that perfect local candidate. You're running through a lot of time and a lot of energy finding employees, so let Jetstream help you find the right one so you can concentrate on your business. Call Bev and her experienced and, yes, local team at 780-808-5736 or go to jetstreampersonnel.com. So I'm a talk radio guy. Yeah. I listen to talk radio for... that. That's what I... That's. Every day, yep. I, I check out, and we've got two stations. Uh, and if you ask me, they're two completely. You yep. know, one is one is conservative in Saskatchewan, and the other in uh, Edmonton, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is is not. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But uh, Danielle was on the one that is not, mm-hmm. in in my opinion. Okay, this is me personally. Yep. But Danielle, when she was on the radio, I found would take into consideration everyone's thoughts and process Mm -hmm. and that sometimes means thinking out loud and she has said some things that have honestly come back to bite her in the ass yep and how do you how how do you look at danielle and some of the things that she said i know you don't agree with a lot of Mm -hmm. things that that she has said Mm -hmm. so how do you look at as what's your opinion of of, of, Danielle. of Danielle. I know yeah. you're not going to say bad things well, about no. uh, Danielle, but yeah. I would kind of like to get into, for people that don't know her, a little bit more of, you know, when we're seeing them replay some some clips over and over of her saying, you know, why should you why should you have a free trip to the hospital sort yep, of thing, right? right? Like, that, that's that's a tough battle. Well, that's, that's tough, tough one. To well, yeah, but I mean, that where'd that come from? And that was uh, a year or two ago when she was a talk show. 
and and trying to uh, you know you play both sides or you speculate on stuff. Even the paper, the the report that she was part of, it was let's just brainstorm about healthcare, and some of that stuff came out of there. So, but you know where where it matters is when you're now in government. How does it happen, right? And I I, I got to tell you the as a backbencher. Uh, I have way more input into policy now than I did before. And the difference is, I'm, I'm uh, chair of the Alberta First uh, Cabinet Policy Committee. So like the Sovereignty Act one came through my, my thing. And there's half a dozen backbenchers there, there's half a dozen uh, uh, ministers there. And a minister comes and presents uh, a, a policy that they'd like to have. So we all get a chance to beat up on it, talk within this Cabinet Committee, we vote on certain parts of it. And if it doesn't meet muster and it gets voted down, then the minister has to go back and try to figure out another way to do things. If it does and we say, okay, this is okay to go to cabinet, then it goes to cabinet and all the information, there's the uh, policy coordination offices there as well. So they take all the notes, they record all the votes and they take all that to cabinet. It's presented to cabinet, cabinet comes up with the policy uh, based on our input and then that comes and goes to caucus as a whole, and we have another chance to dig in at it. So all, all, anything like you have to pay for to go see a doctor, like she's said, absolutely not. That's not going to happen. That would probably never get to the policy because it would get cut down in the cabinet policy committee through one of my, my, you know, mine or there's four of them all together, and uh, and so, so. And then it's changed, like we had a change. The perfect example is the first one we did, which was the Sovereignty Act. So during her leadership, she talked about the Sovereignty Act. People were associating that with separation. It wasn't. It was about jurisdiction, everyone staying in their own jurisdiction. So one of, one of the things that changed was uh, Alberta's sovereignty within the United Canada Act, right? And then as we went, so that went to, to uh, Cabinet. Cabinet made some decisions on okay here we go it got to caucus and there was still some stuff there that we felt uh, some other ones that weren't in that meeting felt well geez that looks like the ministers might have too much power here and there so we'll need to amend that and that got amended so so that's the and actually to be fair the NDP s saw the same problems in that and and so between between our caucus and what the NDP said we said okay well let's let's propose those amendments and change it so so that I'm like I'm really comfortable with how stuff gets vetted through our system now. Like it's as a backbencher, I have way more input. Yeah. Uh, she was found to have broken ethics violations. Yeah. Um, that's another uphill battle. Um, yeah. uh, this is not a, the first in Canada, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah. uh, this is happening more and more. Yeah. Garth, that's got to be discouraging. Like, well, possibly, but you know, like I. Because I've talked to the justice minister at times, right? When someone brought a, like when the co-op gas station was, or the co-op petroleum, I guess, they went on strike, right? And they were blocking the, yep. the um, uh, where they loaded up trucks. And, um, and they, um, uh, they lost a court battle, but they stayed there. So someone phoned me and said, uh, you know, can they do that? And I said, well, I don't know. So... I went and talked talk to the justice guys, <laughs> and I said, so can they, what's the thing there? He says, well, there's, there's another court, they're going to court today, and they're going to decide whether the RCMP should enforce that. And, and so I told the guy that, and, uh, and they did, and then away it went. 
So, like, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, talking to either side, you know, or the, the people accused of something, but, you know, you, you have, like, you got to be able to have someone to talk to. And right now, what, what I did hear was, was speculated was maybe you got a justice minister and an attorney general. Maybe they got to be separate instead of one. And I don't understand the nuance of that. You know, I'm not a legal guy. But, uh, and so that's what she's saying is that, uh, you know, what, what was, what did come out is that what the NDP and what the CBC said is that she sent emails to the Crown prosecutors who was trying to influence. That was turned out to be absolutely not true. So, so that one, she won on that part of it. Yep. Uh, she probably, in hindsight, again, you know, out of empathy for an individual, talked to them and, they, and he recorded it and used it against her. So, so maybe you learn something from that. But what's gonna, what, the, what the ethics commissioner has said is she's going to set out guidelines as to uh, under what circumstances you can talk. And so how do you consult if you're not a legal person? How do you consult if you can't talk to the justice minister? Who, who do you talk to, right, about stuff like that? So, so that, it is. It's, it's a bit of a problem, but it's. But you know, I, I think it's uh, like that was a win and a loss at, at the so same time. Do you see it more of an issue of why is she talking to this person? Yeah, maybe. You, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't talk to someone that's going to court. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, yeah, that's probably that's probably a mistake, but. And I think she'd admit that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing that the NDP is using against her is that she crossed the floor. Yeah. You know, um, what, do you, what do you see about that? Like, Well, I, when she was running for leadership, I ran into that here. Yeah. Like a lot of people said, look, I, uh, um, you know, I, can, I cannot forgive her for crossing the floor. Right. And, um, and I said, well, you know, yeah, whatever the reasons were behind that decision, like it, it, it's... Uh, you know, it didn't sit right with me either. But I said, listen to her message. And because uh, what she's saying, uh, would it's, a, it's good. What she wants to do would work well for rural Alberta. And, and so some people uh, uh, listen and told me after. says, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I, I didn't like that. She admitted it, like when she came to Lloyd Minster here and she had her, uh, her events. That was usually the first question that came out. I says, "Yeah, so I, I, I made a mistake, uh, and I, I, you know, I wish I wouldn't have done it, but I did, and uh, I've learned from that, and and we carry on. Now here's what I want to do, and some people still haven't forgiven her for that, and uh, but a lot did. You know, they got looking at what do you want to do, and well, she got elected, so as the leader, and and here we are trying to do this. So yeah, that was a an, an a thing that she." probably in hindsight regrets. You mentioned that healthcare is still number one in what you're hearing from your constituents. Mm -hmm. Are they talking about the privatization of healthcare in this area? Is that what, like, I would think in this area, people would be almost more for privatization. Not complete privatization, Mm -hmm. but somewhat that if you can afford to have an MRI done, Mm -hmm. why not go get an MRI done and free up that space? I would say in in rural Yeah, they, they can do that now, and they, and the people that even have more resources, if they are waiting for a knee operation, they just go to the states and get it done, right? Like sixty three thousand people uh, are uh, a year go from Canada down to the states to get things done that they just don't want to wait for here, right. and they've got the resources. 
I, but I is think, that is that what they're telling you in this area? Is is that? Well, the, I've had a number of people here that just went to just yeah. went to the states. Uh, the thing that that we're doing there, like we we don't want to privatize it. Uh, we're we're uh, now private delivery is different because it's administered and financed by the government. So you still get it. It's just go to a private place to do it. And a good example of that is cataracts. So that we, we got a an, uh, what's called an RFP request for proposal, and uh, they uh, the, they came back says we can do it for this much money, which was cheaper than what we could do as a government, right? So we said okay, go ahead, and and we started flowing people that way, and uh, cataracts were our number one, the biggest lineup, and it, you had to wait 19 weeks. Since we've done that, it's now 10 weeks, and it's number three as far as uh, uh, a wait list for, for medical procedures. We're, we've, uh, there was an RFP came in for um, hips and knees and stuff like that. And so, you know, again, if it's cheaper, if it's not, then we'll just keep doing it, right? But we've had real success with these chartered surgical services. They're always there. Like even under the NDP, about 13% of surgeries were chartered surgical services. Under ours, there's a little, they're a little bit more. But if they can do, if they can't do it cheaper, then you just do it yourself, right? And then fully utilize the operating rooms that we got. Try to get as efficient as we can with what we do in our own hospitals. Uh, and um, but you know we we want to keep it that way. One of the one of the big things on our tour that the minister because he went he went over to Denmark, and Denmark uh, has uh, like their cost of healthcare there is about two thirds of what we spend in Alberta, and they. Uh, get better results. The reason is, is they focus on primary care and preventative care and try to keep people out of acute care. One of our problems is we almost have an illness treatment system. We wait for a person to get sick enough that they wind up in hospital and we treat them. And that's the most expensive door. So so he's talked a lot about that and he's, uh, some of the triage things like there, you don't, um, you don't uh, just show up at emergency. Either show up there in an ambulance or you get referred, like stuff is triaged. If you need to go there, they'll send you there. If you don't, they'll they'll tell you go see your your doctor tomorrow or or whatever. But they do a bit of a triage there, and and because emergency is the most expensive place to do stuff, and people show up there that don't necessarily need to be there, but you need medical people to help you decide that, right? Even the 911, that's a good example too. We did triage on 911, like I told you with that stacking mm -hmm. that happened. We also do, uh, uh, there's a triage says, well, you know what? I think this can be handled through 811. And that's where they can talk to you and make, give you recommendations as to, well, do this or do that. That should look after it, right? Instead of sending an ambulance out there uh, or sending you to emergency. So, so, you know, we're learning from people that do it better than us. And that's not the states. <laughs> like when when you look yeah. at it, when you look at all the the countries in the world, like the the wealthier countries, we wind up number like for money spent and results out, we're like 12 or 13th, and the Americans are 13th and 14th, right? So we're pretty close. But there's 12 other countries that do it better than we do. We should go talk to those guys, and see what they do. Uh, switching from being reactionary is so yeah. hard to do. Yeah. Like, it's probably one of the toughest things to do. So when you talk to um, constituents, what do they tell you? What, what, what are you hearing from your constituents that they're most concerned about? And you mentioned health care. What else is on that list? Well, uh, the, well, the crime and, uh, you know, and, uh, and just 
you know, hmm, good question. Like, we, we've done a good job on red tape, but I still run into situations where people say, can't we find a way to do this better? So that's, that's one. Um, um, you know, it, just government getting out of the way and, and allowing business and individuals to go about their thing and do what they do best. But, uh, you know, agriculture's, like, they've had a pretty good run, you know, and they just want to be left alone. Um, uh, and then it's individual issues. Like, for example, the local uh, Marwayne Feeder Association. There's a problem where uh, they graze, some of those guys graze animals in Saskatchewan. And, uh, and the rules say you can't do that and get financing through, uh, through the uh, Marwayne Feeder Association. So we've been working with uh, the Ag Department, and I think we've got a plan, and we need, uh, we need uh, um, finance and treasury board to sign off on it so that we can do that. And uh, so, it's, so those are individual issues that you just try to solve. Right. I sent a, a brochure out to everybody kind of listing neat things that we solved. Like in one, you know, was the net care, you know, lab and x-ray stuff. We passed that in the fall of 20, and that Lloyd Minster was specifically mentioned in that. What's driven me a bit crazy is how long it's taken to get the regulations in place to actually do it, right? And it's supposed to be fully done and implemented by this fall. Uh, but that's been a problem for decades, and we actually got legislation passed to, to try to deal with it. The next thing is Connect Care, which is hospital-based. Of course, the hospital's in Saskatchewan. So that's the next part I need to, to work on. You know, the exhibition grounds, they've been, they had land there that the city owned, they were leasing it off them. Their concern was that someone would come along and buy it and then they wouldn't have access to it. So there was an application made through Culture and we were able to get the money so that the exhibition guys could buy it off the town. The town was able to do something with the million bucks that they got and, uh, and everyone's happy. So it's, it's those kinds of issues that come up that you just, work on like that's a big part of my job is helping individuals businesses municipal governments and everyone work through issues and try to get funding for various things uh, what is what do you look at as your fate your what would be something you're the most proud of accomplishing over the last four years well i would say the net care thing like i you know i there's a couple of things like we actually solve some long-term issues one was uh, the food thing here Yep. Right. And getting across a border. There's a trial going on. Yeah. yeah it's a pilot project. Pilot project. And yeah. and so, but it seems so crazy. Like the co-op would uh, make a sandwich, but they couldn't send it to the co-op gas station in Saskatchewan unless it was federally inspected. Yeah. So it seems nuts, right? So you so, you know the 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 people that did most of the work on this was the local chamber, and and they were working with you know the mayor and and we, my job was to take it to the ag ministry and see if they could try to work with Saskatchewan and the feds. So we, we, we did that. The mayor came with me. We, we talked to the Ag uh, Ministry uh, on it, and then they worked on it. So, and so just to tell you how long it takes regulation to happen, when everyone agreed they were going to do something about it, it took two years to get all the regulations in place to do it, right? But you think that'd be like a snap of a finger, but it takes time, and that's and net care was the same. And... Uh, and so the things I've been proud of is some issues that long-term outstanding issues that we've been able to solve, like the, uh, the dialysis money. 
like when I first came, I know the foundation asked me to come over and talk to them. Uh, they wanted $2 million from us for the Dallas stuff. Uh, so we went to work on that. And in the end, we got $4.2 million. And then it, the uh, Prairie North Center wasn't good enough. So now it's going over to the building just north of the hospital. They're going to put it in there. Construction is supposed to start this July. So so it was, it's stuff like long-term problems that, that, you know, and my role in this thing is the role of the municipalities and the organizations and all that stuff is to solve, is to identify the issues that are most important to them, make me aware of it, and then I try to help them achieve those things. And what I've been most proud of is we've been able to get long-term issues, we've got progress on them, and we got them solved. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy about that and want to continue. And I, I've learned, you know, I, I'm, I'm better now <laughs> than my first year. Like I, I had a lot, you know, in hindsight, I wish I would have had some municipal politics behind me before I went into the provincial, because you just this learning curve wouldn't be quite as steep. Right. But. Uh, but uh, it's, you know, I, I feel like I'm in a better position to be more effective now that I got those four years behind me. Um, when we talk about long-term issues and things that have been going on, a new arena has been top of mind yep. in Lloydminster for a long, long time. Yep. Um, when Daniel Smith announced that they're going to give three hundred thousand dollars or three hundred million, three hundred yep. million, sorry, three hundred yep. million dollars yep. to Calgary, yep. a lot of municipalities stood up and said, "Hey, what about us? We need yep. this. Hey, what about us? we need this?" Yep. Lloyd Mister is one of those. We've yep. got some money from Saskatchewan. We've yep. got some federal money, and now we're looking at. Um, we'd love to see some money from Alberta. Yep. Um, where does that? Where is that on the priority list, Garth? Well, I tell you what happened there is the uh, like this. This mayor and council are very good at long-term planning, and they've built a lot of projects here. Uh, and uh, this one kind of crept up on them, even though there was, you know, some thought that it was there but it advanced a little it, bit yeah. sooner than they'd hoped well i think so and i think what happened was the engineers went and looked at the facility and said you got to do something right so they were kind of put in a tough spot so uh the angle we did like uh mayor albers came uh we talked to ministers we talked to everyone on the treasury board the difference between saskatchewan and us is saskatchewan had some what's called icip so investing in canadian infrastructure program they had some left and we didn't uh, by the time the request came in. So uh, if we had some, I think we could have got some money. The other place was the uh, culture, and uh, but the most you can get out of there is the million bucks. And that was one that the exhibition guys used yep. to, to get that land purchase, right? So, so uh, we, we just didn't have the money. And we even went to um, the, the whole treasury board individually and talk to them to try to get them just to do a one-off, and it just didn't work. So, so we didn't get money in the, and that's that's for new builds. So that kind of you get one shot at it. That's why it was such an urgency, right? Right. So now we just need to look at other ways that we can try to help out. the The desire was there. It's just all the money we had in ICEP was committed, and I guess Saskatchewan had some room left over. So where is it on the priority list for you, Garth? Well, I, I'll, I'm trying to work on it. Like uh, again, and it, it's a priority list that the that the municipalities come to me with, right? Right. So when when you know after the election, if I'm still there, uh, I'll, I'll do the same thing that I've that I've grown into doing with school boards or whoever, and they say, here's the top five things we want you to work on, 
So if that arena is the most important thing to this community of all the things that they want to do, then I will work on that, right? So they'll, they'll set that priority for me. What am I forgetting to ask you, Garth? What do you want people to know? Oh, I don't know. We've gone. We've yeah. covered a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, I, I've, it's, it's weird. Like this, this job is more than a full-time job, but it, it hasn't felt like work. You know, it's, uh, I've just had such a blast. I've learned so much. And, you were a little stressed yeah. out for a while there during the pandemic. Oh, Who wouldn't yeah. be? Well, everybody was. I know Jason Nixon, our house leader at the time. He said. Uh, said all you first termers picked a hell of a term to be your first <laughs> yeah yeah no doubt <laughs> yeah and that was a no-win situation but you know you just and you know and despite that we still got a lot done like we all the promises that were made in the platform like we had a i think it was 370 some commitments we made and despite the pandemic we got over 90 percent of them done so we 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 said what we were going to do and we did it and uh, and the and the businesses, like we got De Havilland coming in, they're going to make airplanes in Alberta. You know, talk about diversifying the economy. If you're an attractive place to come and you're easy to deal with, you're going to attract businesses. Like the the um, uh, film sector, The Last of Us is being filmed, and uh, and that was attracted by a tax credit. Not the best, uh, you know. I don't like tax credits generally. Uh, but we and there's a, there's a difference. There's two kinds of tax credits. But we got an agricultural one that um, you know a, a good example is the irrigation that we we spent like 900 million on to expand the irrigation area. When we did that, McCain is building a I don't know what the heck it is. It's between one and two billion dollar processing plant because of that. So you know that's going to attract jobs. That's going to create more revenue for us from a tax perspective. And I just think that. Um, you, you know, I, I, I think we're on a good path, and I just, it'd be a shame if we weren't able to keep the ball rolling, keep momentum going. Thanks, Garth. Okay. Yeah, you bet. No we problem. Appreciate it. And we should mention the uh, Vermilion Forum is tonight. Yes, it's tonight. Yeah, it's at the St. Jerome's School, and it starts at, it goes from 7 to 9, and I think the doors open at 6.15. Thanks, Garth. Appreciate Thank you very much. It. And we've appreciated, no matter what happens, we've yep. appreciated your time. Yep. Uh, you've been very generous. It's uh, been fun for us. So <laughs> we appreciate it. I know I sometimes throw a little, few curveballs at yeah. you from, uh, from okay. time to time. But I, yeah, that's your I job. appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, we're back tomorrow. And uh, Danny Hozak is going to be here, another a local candidate who has been running for about a week now because the Wild Rose Party has kind of come out of, uh, of um, nowhere. And uh, now we've got another local candidate to talk to. So we'll do that tomorrow morning, 11 o'clock, right here at the new Lloydminster Nissan.